This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and on today's episode, we're talking about church on holiday. Are you supposed to go? Uh, I'm talking to my friend James Archer, who is a educator and a children's pastor. And uh, my colleague Anna it has a bit of some truth and encouragement she wants to shove in your heart for a wild card section. But first, holiday is coming. And that wasn't even a tune. I'm so sorry. My team make fun of me for singing on these podcasts. <laughs> and so then I start to sing and then I'm like, no, don't, don't laugh at me. And then I'm like, I don't care what they think. And then by that point, I have just chanted something. <laughs> sorry. Anyways. Oh, yes. And then I'm also worried about copyright. Like if I do holiday, am I going to get sued? I don't know. Anyways, it's holiday time. And most of us don't even think about church. We go on holiday. Whoosh, we are off somewhere relaxing and pretending to read books and being crawled on by children and are in the, in the pit of relaxation. But uh, I was just reflecting about how my mom always took us to church on holiday, which was fascinating when we were in Europe. Now, as you know, I grew up in Southern California and have only lived in this country for a mere 17 years. And so uh, I've only, you know, I've been here less than half my life. And it has been brilliant, but my I had all these great memories of being on holiday and going to, you know, a church in Central London and which was like so out of, you know, my brain space of like how crazy or, or you know, in Belfast or in Ireland and it just being so vastly different. And and I remember it my mom explaining why she wanted to do it and it was because she wanted to continue to instill the value that church was important. Uh and that the body of Christ is the body of Christ. And wherever we go, we can meet with people who can encourage our hearts. And uh, she wanted me to get used to other churches and different ways of doing things. And so she would look up, wherever we went, she would look up the denomination that we're a part of, a group, Assemblies of God. And and then we would just go to like the local Assemblies of God church or around the corner. And it was absolutely fascinating. We can so get used to our way of doing things that our personal experiences of church really are about our personal church experience that happens at the one place we go to. And I remember just opening my eyes to how other people connect with God. And it really helped me reflect on why we do what we do at our church. And do I like it? And could it be different? And it just expanded my mind. So I would really encourage you to to try it. And so the first thing, here's a couple of tips if you want to try going to church on holiday. Um, One, decide if you want to go to a church that's similar to you or different, because both are really fun experiences. So, you know, if you're going to Italy, you know, sure, feel free to go to a 
Anglican church, if you can find one or, you know, whatever, you know, find one that is similar to yours, uh, you know, find a vineyard somewhere. If you're a vineyard person, you can find that and, and really go, wow, look, our, our strand of church, you know, is everywhere and it looks similar and you can begin to experience what is similar and what is different because of culture. Or you can go for a totally different cultural experience and pick a different denomination, a different churchmanship, a different expression of that, a different size. If you go to a really small church, go to a massive church, if you go to a really big church, show up at a church with 12 people and see a new expression. I'll tell you, you'll never be more welcomed than a church with 12 people. And and just feel a different, it's, it's going on holiday from your normal and trying something new. Whichever one uh, will work because it helps you reflect together on the different strengths of the different bodies of church all around. Uh, another thing, a second tip I would suggest is if you have an older kid, help you can actually give them the job of looking for the church. Uh, say, you know, hey, we can group stock it as a family and you can all argue about which church you want to head to. Or you can say, you know what, you're 16. I hand it to you completely. Choose a place for us to go to church on Sunday that will give us a different experience of the body of Christ and a different way of uh, seeing how people see God. And uh, let them be in charge. It will be fascinating. And then when you go, really prepare them for it. Um, and so not just go, okay, guys, hang on to your hats. We're going to church, uh, which will be fun. And everyone will be very nervous in the morning, <laughs> uh, which I also find fascinating just for the experience, because often we're so used to our church that, that we forgot what it was like to be new at a church. So many times when, when we've gone to a different church, we come out going, are we, are we welcoming at our church? Are we that because I had no idea anything what was happening because I, I couldn't find anything. And you come out thinking, gosh, we really need to help new people. Anyways, so um, prepare them for that. Prepare them that they may feel out of, you know, uh, they may not know what's going on. And that's okay. We're just going for an experience for it. Um, you can let them know what they need to know. I remember my first time uh, ever attending a, a Catholic church. My my mom really helped me sort of navigate it because I wanted to honor it and we wanted to try it. And so she would sort of whisper to me throughout the the whole way to sort of, you know, this is when we stand up and this is when we sit down and sort of beginning to, to do that. Um, it's also really helpful to give your child permission to do whatever you want. So it could be that you're like, okay, we're just going to go as a family. We're going to brace everything. If they're standing up, we're going to stand up. If they're sitting down, we're sitting down. We're going to sing all the words. We're going to say all the everything. We're just going to do it. Or you could decide, right, as a family, feel free to engage with as much as you feel comfortable with and feel free to not if you don't want to and just sit and watch. You know, however you want to do it is okay. You Just give them permission so they know. So nobody feels like they're going to let you down if they do it one way or the other. Just Say this is what your expectations are and 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 ask them to look for things so afterwards we're going to have a great chat about like how you felt and what you saw and and how you experienced God in a different way or what were your reflections about that and how is our church is similar and how is our church is different and you can just prep them for all of the interesting conversations you can have afterwards so it's sort of like a big experiment and then uh, whisper to them throughout the whole time, frame it. And then at the end, just have a really fun debrief and talk about what they thought about it. And and did they feel that was interesting? And do they prefer it? Or do they not prefer it? And what was similar and what was different? And 
what what would you like there that you would love to add to our church and how did you feel in there and it just it just creates such a unique experience for everybody to be a part of and so whether it's a similar church or a different church whether you go every sunday or just try one i'd really encourage you to to go on a church adventure because there's so much in scripture about being unified in christ with our fellow brothers and sisters in him and there is such a vast and beautiful spread of how we all do church. And and every time I go to a different church, I have the privilege of visiting lots of different churches in lots of different countries. And every time I leave going, gosh, I feel like I saw a new, a new aspect of God and a new expression of his heart in this group of people. And I think it's a beautiful thing when we can see who God is to a different group of people in a different location in a different way. And yet he's the same God and uh, we get to spend eternity with these people. So um, enjoy. I hope you have a wonderful holiday. And if you choose to go to church on holiday, I hope you have a really interesting experience. Archer is a principal lecturer in primary education. He uh, is managing director of the uh, charity Cherish Ed, which is a children's ministry organization that resources and equips children's pastors, volunteers, anybody who's really involved in helping kids meet and know God, and brings a really unique perspective of how children learn and what really good practice of of shaping information so that it can go deep and be applied in kids' lives. And so I thought this would be a great question for him. So this is how James answered the, this question. How can we help kids read the Bible? Children always try and understand the world around them and often when they're trying to understand the world they um, create these misconceptions and naive concepts um, but drawing on previous knowledge, understanding and experience to try and make sense of what's going on around them. There are four main categories of misconceptions um, or naive constructs. Those are preconceived notions. So they, for a child in their journey of faith, a preconceived notion might be, for example, um, and, uh, thinking, well, my father on earth looks like this and acts like this, so my father in heaven is like this. Um, uh, whether that's good, bad or indifferent, we take the knowledge and experience and understanding from our, our lived experience and try and make sense of um, what the Bible is talking about. Uh, and obviously there can be issues when this happens. Another form of misconception is conceptual miscon uh, misunderstandings. So the in this category of misconceptions, this is when we come across largely big doctrines, things like sin, grace, um, and children misunderstand what um, is going on. So they might, for example, understand that um, the grace is to do with um, doing lots of things to impress God rather than um, uh, the fact that uh, Jesus has done everything uh, for them. There are uh, vernacular misconceptions uh, as our category three. These are um, when uh, we use um, the language of the Bible in our everyday for a different meaning, which brings about confusion for the child. Um, phrases like, oh, you're such an angel, for example, 
actually brings a little bit of confusion as to what an angel is or who an angel is and what an angel does. There are factual misconceptions as well as category four. Um, I have spent the past 10 years training primary school teachers and it has been amazing to me um, to see come across how many adults that um, firmly believe that um, men have one less rib bone than women because of the uh, creation story in Genesis uh, with Adam and Eve. So there, um, there are um, truths that children um, potentially don't understand about God um, or have wrong. We, uh, they can also come from myths or stories um, that are associated to the faith. So, for example, the classic, um, the animals went in two by two. Actually, when we read in Genesis, we read, yes, sometimes they went into two, in twos, and sometimes they went in sevens as well. So um, there are ways that these factual misconceptions are developed, and often they're uh, built on um, uh, previous experiences. When we are looking at trying to um, grasp and understand children's misconceptions and then address the misconceptions, there are three key stages, I think, um, involved in this process. So the first one, stage one, share and identify. Um, it does not have to be that you go, oh, sorry, child, um, you you've got that wrong, you're wrong about this. Actually, um, uh, in our parenting, we need to possibly be a little bit more subtle when that uh, um, um, that happens. So um, when, um, when we're identifying misconceptions, sometimes it's trying to lock that away in our head. Oh, that was an interesting conversation that um, I had with my child. Um, at some point, we possibly need to have a talk about X, Y, and Z or explore what the Bible says about X, Y, and Z. Um, sharing in that stage of sharing and identifying is really important. We all have had misconceptions and sometimes, uh, uh, and we still have and told current misconceptions in our faith and sharing with our children that, that previous misconceptions we have actually opens up the journey um, from going from a place of misconception to uh, a, a greater or fuller place of understanding. Um, the second place is exploring and discussing and there, uh, there we can draw on tools like Rachel's uh, framing uh, activities we um, need to help the children often move from abstract to concrete um, ideas. So um, using activities um, such as drawing is really useful uh, when we're exploring and discussing ideas. Um, for most adults, if we ask them to draw a concept or their current understanding on a particular topic, they will freeze up and uh, won't feel that they could possibly uh, represent um, 
that they're understanding fully in a drawing for the child um, and my children and children that I've worked with in primary schools um, for uh, many years have been very confident in being able to draw things like um, uh, their understanding of what God looks like or who God is uh, for example um, it's not not often seen as a challenge and when we have this drawing actually it gives us an artifact or a focused point on which that we can build our discussion um, around to further deepen the child's understanding about that particular concept or um, uh, that particular teaching. Um, talk is really really important so um, when we're that that final stage, so we've shared and identified, we've explored and discussed through um, either the uh, framing exercises or um, through drawing, we move on to the talk, talk and about the journey phase, um, and and this is simply things like, oh, do you remember when we thought this? Uh, uh, but now. Um, can you tell me what you believe now about that? Questions are so important in um, moving children on in their misconceptions. I love how in Mark 8, uh, Jesus says, um, uh, but what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus used questions really well to um, get a, a a glimpse into people's current understanding and that we as parents can use questions as effectively to just uh, in our everyday ask our children uh, questions that help them to reflect on what they think um, and what they know about um, their uh, faith as we go about the everyday. Okay, I hope that has been useful. Um, there are um, lots of other things we can talk about at another time. Do visit our website, www.cherish-ed.org.uk. There are some other um, videos of me giving a little uh, bit of insight to other ways that we can explore children's ideas. Um, but I hope you're uh, doing amazing as parents and um, bless you in all that you do. And for our wild card section today, we're hearing from Anna. Anna's my colleague who is overseeing our national and regional development of parenting for faith. She's got a lot of wisdom and she's the parent of multiple under fives. And most of all, she's someone I really respect and admire. So she wanted to encourage us with this. So I wanted to chat a little bit today about the fact that you're a child as well as a parent. So many things change when you become a parent and it can easily feel like suddenly you're always the one with the responsibility. You have to grown up all the time and uh, sometimes you just want to roll over and hide under the duvet and be the kid again. And I really feel like um, God has given us permission to do that, not necessarily literally with the duvet. Um, but he wants to remind us that he is our father and we are his children. And even as we are parenting children, he wants to look after us in that role. I had a picture when I was um, heavily pregnant with one of my children. 
<coughs> and, and in quite a lot of physical discomfort. And I was in a, a church meeting and I felt like God was telling me to dance and I'm not a dancer um, and to sing and to worship. And um, I felt like he told me to hand the baby over. And so just in my mind, obviously, um, you can't literally take take the baby off. Um, but I felt like I handed the baby over to him. And it, it just, again, in my head, my physical body wasn't up to it. But I was able to dance and sing and worship him and then just sit on his lap. And I really felt like he was saying that you were we were made for relationship with him too. We're so used to putting our kids first. But he wants to relate to us. He died for us. He loved us. We're his children as well. And one of the very best ways that you can help your children in, in their relationship with God is by creating windows into your relationship. So often parents do the Parenting for Faith course and think, ah, this is awkward. See, the thing is, when we had kids, we were super tired and things got really busy. And to be honest, I'm just not sure I have much of a relationship with God anymore. And the truth is that so many things do change when you become a parent. And your relationship with God probably will look different, just as the rest of your life will look different. But there are ways to connect to him and to still be his child and have that relationship that we so desperately need. So um, just a couple of ideas of things that I found helpful. I was used to a way of connecting with God that was sort of a very solid chunk of time. So, you know, really being able to focus in church on Sunday or having a... Um, time of reading my bible and writing stuff down and journaling and I found it really helped to switch to more of a mindset of connecting with God throughout the little bits of the day we've got an amazing video on our website called uh, connecting with God whilst being poked in the eye and it is about using those little bits of the day to connect with God even when you're doing a million other things um, for me personally, I found some apps really helpful. Um, there's a prayer mate one, uh, which I used to use on night feeds, where you can put in things that you've said you'll pray for. You know, when someone says, will you pray for that? And you say, yeah, well, and then you think, oh, no, my brain is like a sieve at the moment. I'm just going to forget that. And I just noted it down. And then it gives you sort of different things to pray about each day. Even if all you can manage is a couple of seconds. I just found that when I had time to pray, that prompted me with something to pray for. Um there's the Prayers You Go app, uh, Bible in One Year from HTB. I've started having that on while I have a shower. Uh, so I'm not reading my Bible every day, but I am hearing and getting some of God's word and some of God's goodness to help me. Obviously, the version Bible app has loads of different ways to connect there. Um, things like sticking on worship music at home or in the car. This actually got to the stage where my uh, my eldest used to say when everything was going a bit crazy at mealtimes, mommy, I think we need some God songs. Um, and I hadn't really meant it as a response of, ah, this is really difficult. Let's stick on some worship. Um, but she sort of learned that that was a response in a way that I was connecting with him and, and asking him to help me when stuff was really hard. And it might be that you can still set aside a time to do it. So when I just had one child and she napped fairly regularly with two naps, I had this very uh, structured system where I had one nap where I sort of connected with God and one where I did housework. And then I was gutted and distraught because everything changes. Um, you know, they're not on two naps for very long if you even have a child that has any kind of regular napping schedule. Um, and I had to rethink it. And the thing that's been most helpful for me is to just recognise that 
whatever is working at the moment is might just be for a season and as your children grow and change and adapt your ways of connecting with god will need to so at the moment um i have this really nice time in the middle of the day where i have a cup of tea and a bit of chocolate and and just type what i feel like god is saying to me and some stuff that's on my heart and that's my precious time but soon that won't be a thing anymore and my eldest is going to school and uh, my youngest will probably stop napping and i'll need to change it again So it really, really doesn't matter what you do, but I think it's just about reaching out to God, crying out to him and saying, God, I still need you in my life. I still love you and I still want to be the child and I want you to be my dad and give me what I need. Help me to find a way that I can connect um, in this season and in this moment. And then rolling with it and not beating yourself up when you have days where it's really hard to do that or it looks very different. And finally, a question to start an interesting conversation with your children. What is your opinion on if we should or shouldn't go to church on holiday? Why or why not? Have a great conversation. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.